The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, through the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He has, how he has brought the de- desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord. A reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take out the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Oh, yeah, the word of the Lord. (laughs) This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals 
were hanging riled at him and saying, if you are, are you not the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say today, you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. It's so quiet. (laughs) It is good to be together today. My name is Andrea, and I am the pastor of children and families here at Church of the Cross, and I love that our blessing of children's service is on Christ the King Sunday, especially as we approach Advent, because we have a king who came as a baby And Jesus dignifies the vulnerability of our humanity by coming as a child. And he tells us that we do not even receive the kingdom if we do not um, receive it as a child. Children are full members of our body at Church of the Cross. And as those, they represent the kingdom of God. And we have much to learn from them in our midst. So Kids of the Cross, thank you for your leadership today and for... um, your service. And also, Church of the Cross, we have, been take, we have taken vows at baptism to raise these kids up, to bless them in turn. And I want to encourage you that I see you doing this every week through your witness by your presence and your prayers and your service. So keep up the good work. Do not grow weary in your good doing. Um, Last year at this service, we walked through our core values in ministry with children. And if you are new to our body, I would love to go out for coffee or visit with you over those things. They're my favorite things to talk about. But um, this year, I wanted you to be blessed by our children's leadership team working together. Um, You might ask, what is the the children's leadership team? I didn't even know we had one. (laughs) Um, To better shepherd our children instead of one person, me working more, we have had a team model for about 10 years, and we meet monthly, and we serve at least definitely more than half the Sundays of the year. Additionally, we collaborate on big projects like VBS and the Christmas pageant and fall launch. When I bring someone onto my team, I let them know to be part of the children's leadership team is not to be a paid volunteer. It is payment for leadership development personally, and in the lives of others. Each leader sitting here makes their own schedules. They set their own tone for their classrooms. They train up others to serve, and um, they give vision in blessing and communications. These women are so dear to me. Their lives ooze a love for Jesus that weekly inspires me, and um, they have made a place for my kids to grow up in faith and um, I'm honored to call them my sisters in Christ and partners in ministry. Each of us has a special role, and um, I just from littles to bigs, Andrea Pope shepherds our nursery, um, Sarah Hoffner tends our preschool, um, Naomi Hamer leads second and third grade at the 1045 service, and Annie Kinnear gives her time to our fourth through sixth grade class. The newest member of our CLT is um, Annie Hanna, and um, she is our next generation prayer coordinator. 
she is going to get us started here in our Ephesians 6 passage today. Good morning, everyone. Just as Andrea said, I have the privilege of being the next generation prayer coordinator. Through this ministry, every baby, child, and college student who calls Church of the Cross their home is matched up with a prayer partner that prays for the child by name monthly. Each year, there is a theme for the prayer prompts. This year, the theme is the famous Armor of God passage from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The Armor of God passage instructs us how to fight against the devil and his schemes. God has redeemed and adopted us as his own. And as children of God, we are called to a life of wisdom, light, love, and unity. However, the author of Ephesians, Paul, is very aware that in the world, Christians face fierce resistance to living out God's will because of the devil. What an amazing blessing it is, then, that God has equipped us to live out his will by giving us his own armor to protect us and resist the lies, temptations, and hardships the devil sends our way. The description of God's armor is beautifully ironic. The gear required for resisting the devil is the opposite of the world's weapons, and prayer is the only tactic for the battle. Understanding God's armor and learning how to put it on is so crucial for all Christians, no matter age or stage in life. Today, the children's leadership team will share some reflections on each piece of armor. (laughs) In chapter 6, Paul is wrapping up his letter to the Ephesians. And our readings begin with the word, finally. These words on the armor of God are emphasized naturally by their place in his conclusion. He makes it very clear by the repetition of the word stand what the point is. And he makes it very clear that our enemy is not other people. The Bible tells us that the battle belongs to the Lord, yet we have something to do. Put on, take up the armor of God. Something you might not know about me I am terribly prone to motion sickness. It has been this way for as long as I remember. Even when I was a tiny kid, I lived in Maryland, the roads were super windy, airplane rides to see my grandparents were kind of awful for me. And even now, on the most beautifully still days on on the lakes all of us Minnesotans love, a canoe ride finds me super woozy and ready for firm ground on the opposite shores. While we don't all suffer like this, we do encounter the disorienting schemes of the devil. We need firm ground. And the good news is that in Christ, we have this. Last week, we sang a song about Christ being an anchor for our souls. Christ is our solid rock. The Bible says he is our cornerstone. And Psalm 46 is all about the assurance We have in Christ. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And as we celebrate Christ the King, we can firmly stand in the unity of Christ that He came in the flesh, He suffered and rose from the dead. This passage in Ephesians has been personally very encouraging to me this fall. I have a firm place to put my feet, I have needed to stand. 
And the battle is not against flesh and blood. Brothers and sisters, hear this as good news today. We are on the same team. Sorry. When Matt and I went to pre-marriage counseling, there was a couple that shared with us that when they had a disagreement, they would never sit facing each other, wagging fingers, pointing at the other. This is your fault. You are my problem. Instead, they made the habit, the discipline in their lives to sit side by side and that they would face outward, that their problem would be faced together, that they would come to a solution in unity. I think this approach is in line with Paul's words. We have a common enemy, but it is not the person sitting nearby us or living in our houses. (laughs) Before I hand it off to Naomi, notice that Paul does not say, like so many of us parents have done with wiggly children, sit still, stop moving. I'm trying to put your armor on you. Paul calls us as Christ followers to do the work of putting on and taking up the armor ourselves. So today we get to watch this happen. On these very firm stairs, we are going to pretend they represent the solid work of Christ. Liam is going to come up and put on the armor made by our fourth through sixth graders as we continue to share. So these are the questions I want you to think about as you listen. I want you to think about what piece of armor is your favorite, which one is perhaps you think the very most important piece of armor, and lastly, what piece of armor do you need personally to remember to put on? In verse 14, Paul tells us to stand, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's first consider the belt as Liam begins to don his armor. Why do we wear belts? For some of us, it's out of necessity, without which we might lose our pants. For others, a belt is worn as an accessory, something that ties an outfit together after everything else is in place. If you are a belt wearer, you'll know that the belt is one of the last things that you put on as you get dressed. But this is no ordinary belt. Paul is talking about a different kind of belt, and he lists it as the first thing that must be fastened. This may come as a shock to you, but I'm not an expert on first century Roman armor. Um, So I don't know all the ins and outs about how it was put on back in Paul's day. But from what I understand, the belt, or the girdle, as it was called, held the rest of the armor together. It is the foundational piece. Similarly, abiding in the truth of the gospel is foundational to how we as Christians are called to live. Knowing who Christ is, the Son of God who came into the world, fully God, fully human, sacrificed himself for each one of us that we might be with him. And knowing who we are in Christ, his beloved sons and daughters, fearfully and wonderfully made in our Father's image, is the truth we are called to put on. Fastening this truth around us as we go about our days gives us confidence and freedom to be who he has made us to be and allows us to discern right from wrong and truth from lies. Speaking of right and wrong, the next piece Paul tells us to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. 
During his time, Paul probably saw many a Roman soldier wearing this heavy piece of metal over his chest. Its purpose was to cover and protect his heart and other vital organs when in battle or under enemy attack. But Paul calls it a breastplate of righteousness. How does righteousness protect us, protect our hearts and souls? God has given us free will, the ability to make our own choices. Making decisions that are in line with his truth may not always be the most popular amongst our peers or others in our lives, but they do please God. Choosing righteousness can protect us from going down a wrong path, a path that might end up causing us pain and possibly hurting those we love. Making right choices that please God and align with his truth protect us when the enemy tries to pierce our hearts with lies and empty promises. If you happen to be in my home on a day that's not too hot or too cold, you will surely hear me say it to my three-year-old Oli. Put on your shoes. They protect your feet. Our passage says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I've thought of a few things we can remember about shoes of peace. Oi. We put on shoes for protection. Shoes are a pretty big deal in my house. We have a lot of pairs by the door, ready so we can get out of there fast. We put them on to protect our feet. We we put on shoes of peace. God is protecting our hearts. There are some wild things out there trying to take away our peace. Jesus tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. By putting on shoes of peace, our hearts stay aligned with God and his best for our lives. Like shoes protect our feet, peace protects our hearts from battles like anxiety, anger, or unforgiveness, to name just a few. We stand firm in our shoes. Imagine standing in a fresh puddle of mud and bare feet, slipping and sinking and getting dirty. The shoes of peace we put on help us stand firm in our peace and to walk forward without slipping or falling, and we stay clean. God helps our hearts stay clean when we put on his shoes of peace. We walk in our shoes. My kids know that nice weekends mean mandatory family walks. We get to walk together in shoes of peace and bring the gospel of peace to others. Sometimes we need help tying our laces or finding lost shoes. At my daughter's volleyball game a couple weeks ago, the referee called to a girl on the court and told her she was untied, and he paused the game for her to tie it. That reminded me that at any age, we all sometimes need help with our shoes, tying our laces or finding our shoes. Sometimes I lose my shoes of God's peace, and when that happens, telling a trusted friend that I'm anxious or lonely or overwhelmed is the first step for helping me find those shoes of God's peace. We are surrounded by trusted friends and family who can help us see when we need to tie our laces or find our lost shoes. Peace isn't something we can create for ourselves. It's given to us by God. Psalm 34 says we can help each other to seek peace and pursue it. Jesus tells us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So he gives us these shoes of peace that protect our hearts, help us stand firm and clean and walk forward together, sharing the good news of the gospel of peace.
The next piece of armor that Paul instructs us to take up is the shield of faith, by which he says we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, I am also not an expert in Roman armor, but in order to better understand Paul's exhortation here, I did a little bit of research on the shields used by Roman soldiers during the time of Paul's writing. The first thing that I learned is that the type of shield mentioned here in this passage was usually lined with leather. Before battle, soldiers would soak their shields in water until they were completely saturated. This allowed their shields to literally put out any flaming arrows that the enemy sent their way. Our enemy, the evil one, also attacks us with metaphorical flaming darts of arrows, or arrows, things like discouragement, doubts, or shame, just to name a few. As we walk out our life of faith, it is important that we too prepare our shields for battle. Rather than soaking our shields in water, however, we can saturate them with the truth of Scripture, God's promises and his character, and reminders of his faithfulness to us throughout history. My research also revealed that the type of shield Paul mentions in this passage was usually very large and heavy. While it certainly provided protection for the individual holding the shield, it was most commonly used in a group of soldiers. The name of this specific battle formation essentially translates to the word turtle. So a group of soldiers would come together, and those on the outside would use their shields to form a circular wall around the unit. And those on the inside would raise their shields towards the sky to protect the unit from any attacks from above. While in this formation, the soldiers could hold their ground or advance forward together. Similarly to Roman soldiers in battle, the Christian life is best walked out in community. We need each other. Your shield of faith protects me, and mine protects you. I pray that as a community, we will be open and honest with each other as we proclaim God's truth and remind each other of his faithfulness. Encourage one another in our specific battles against the evil one. Let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good works. Now, I'll pass it on to Sarah for our final two pieces. This fall, my son Josiah played tackle football for the first time, and he loved it. As I'm sure you all know, football is a very physical sport. And it's important that each player is protected during practice and games. One of the most vital pieces of protection is his helmet. A helmet is defined as a strong, hard hat worn on your head in order to protect from impact, damage, even death. Football players need protection. They spend the whole game tackling each other. And an injury to the head is obviously a very serious thing. Just like that, Christians need protection too. And we have the best protection there is, the saving work of Jesus. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are saying yes to his gift of grace, and we are standing firm in the promises of God. While this world is broken and filled with sin, our salvation is like a helmet in the way it protects our minds. Just like if Josiah forgot to put on his helmet, he would be vulnerable to injury. When we forget to put on our helmet of salvation, we are left susceptible to the attacks of Satan in the form of sinful thoughts, temptations, and doubts that can harm our relationship with Jesus. With the protection of our helmet of salvation, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Paul says in Romans, and truly live in the hope and assurance we have through Jesus Christ. We are marked and sealed as Christ's own at our baptism, and our confidence is in the salvation we have in the future hope of eternity with our Heavenly Father. 
And our last piece of armor in the Ephesians passage is actually our only real weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. First Timothy tells us that all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, encouraging, correction, and training so we can be ready. What do we need to be ready for? Ready to speak truth, fight temptation and despair, ready to share the joy we have because of our faith, and ready to hear the very heart of God spoken to us through his written word. Paul closes this passage exhorting the believers to pray at all times, making supplication for all the saints. This is exactly why we as a church family think it's vitally important to be lifting up the kids by name regularly. Church of the Cross, let us persevere in prayer, stay alert, and hold tight to the armor that God himself has given to us. Let's pray together. God, we praise you for your faithfulness to all generations, and we especially thank you today for the children of Church of the Cross. Guide them in your paths of peace, lead them in your light and your truth, and may they always put on the armor that you have given to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.